Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. This week's episode of the Church Planner Podcast is being brought to you by MoGive. When you need to get your church to give Mo, you need MoGive. M-O-G-I-V.com. All right, if this is your first time listening to the show, then you probably don't know about MoGive or our uh, joke with their commercial, but uh, they are a paid sponsor of the Church Planner Podcast and dear to our hearts because we use them at our church. And in our nonprofit, and in uh, pretty much everything we can, we use MoGiv. Anyway, I'm Pete Mitchell, and you are listening to the Church Planner Podcast. This is kind of a unique episode for the Church Planner Podcast. If this is your first time listening to us, uh, we normally have a lot of really great information for you on the Church Planner Podcast about church planting. This particular episode was an interview I did with a church planner in Ohio by the name of Daniel Sams. And I was interviewing him because, uh, for those of you that have been listening for a while, you know that I have a program on um, how to become a, a business growth consultant as a Bivo church planner, and I train people on how to do that. And Dan has been through that program, and he is just tearing it up in Ohio, of all places, in rural Ohio, uh, whereas everyone else would say, oh, there's not enough business out there. He has found a killing of business out there and uh, is able to plant his church um, and do this on the side and make the money that he needs to make for his family. And so I actually interviewed him so I could uh, pass this interview out to those who were thinking about coming through the program. And in talking with Peyton, I was like, hey, you know, why don't we just play this on the podcast? Because I think um, our church planners will get a lot out of it. And so that's the purpose with today's episode. Go ahead and sit back and uh, listen to this interview. I think you'll get a lot out of it. If you'd like to know about the program that I do, it's in the show notes. You can go to a webinar I've put together called bivowebinar.com. 
And uh, anyway, I will look forward to talking with you guys later. Hey, everybody. Pete Mitchell here. And uh, today I am joined by a uh, church planner, one of the uh, the leading church planners, I should say, in all of his uh, his own backyard. Um, I actually don't know how you lead as a church planner, <laughs> but uh, that's that's what I'm going to say. Uh, Daniel Sams, man, welcome uh, to the to the call today. Thanks very much. Glad to be here. Did I say your last name right? Because I always see it, and the two M's throw me off. Yeah. So long backstory on that. Um, but yeah, Sam's, you said it right. Okay. Well, we're, it's funny because uh, we had some crazy aunt who divorced one brother of one M Sam's and added an M just to get back at the family. <laughs> and I'm I'm from the lineage of the bad ones. <laughs> well, of course you are. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, that's a church divorced, planner. Yeah. Divorced one brother, married another. Said, well, we're not going to have one M. We're going to separate ourselves with one more M. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yep. Well, hey, um, as we yeah. get into this, we're, we're, what we're going to be discussing on today's call is uh, what you're doing as a consultant, because you've been just having tremendous success, and, and we'll get to that here in a second. Yeah. Um, before we get to that, I kind of want, um, if you would, just tell everyone a little bit about what you're doing on the church planning side, where you're doing it at, uh, just so they understand you know, kind of the, the environment, if you will, that you're in, because you're not in Las Vegas or Los Angeles or New York where there's a ton of business. You're, you're in kind of a unique little area. And by the way, I can hear your kid in the background. So that's awesome. Sorry about that. Oh no, no, no. I'm literally, Um, that's awesome. That's cool. I'm down. So. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm in Amherst, Ohio, which is about 30 minutes, 35 minutes outside of Cleveland. Um, it's a small town, uh, kind of known for being a small town. And um, we're planting here, and, and we're primarily a house church network. But we have uh, we have a monthly gathering where all the house churches come together. But my role is primarily to uh, preach once a month, and then equip house church leaders all the rest of my time. And we're planting house churches in all of the neighboring towns, and then we're equipping. Interestingly enough. Uh, we're equipping house church leaders and small group leaders in other churches in the area. Mm. So we're offering training that other churches use. In fact, uh, tomorrow, well, not tomorrow, in about 36 hours or so, I'm headed to El Salvador, where we're going to train some house church leaders down there. Um, so it's an exciting time. We're trying to kind of do a, an Apostle Paul-style thing where we're equipping leaders who kind of do their thing, and we just kind of support now I know a little bit of your background is uh, you used to be at uh, a much bigger church and then decided to do the the church planning um, thing, if you will, or you felt called to that. So tell me a little bit about that transition and and what that was like for you. Uh, yeah, so I was part of a large church and was the uh, was the chosen one, so to speak. I was the young semi-hip pastor that everybody loved hearing preach. And so there were really cool conversations with the senior pastor about, man, we're going to have you take this thing over one day. And um, it was cool because around the time that's happening, headhunters are calling and saying, we want you, you would be great at this big mega church to, you know, help them stay young and all that. And um, long backstory, but things were no longer working out at the church where I was at. Um, The more my heart was for the unchurched, the less I fit in there. And um, what ended up happening is I found myself exiting out of there and had some cool opportunities, some great big churches with cool salaries and cool opportunities. 
And uh, God just kept telling me no to every one of them. Mm. And I would get all the way up to me and one other guy and either it wouldn't work out and they would say, they're like, you know, you're perfect for this job, but we're just not going to hire you. We don't really have a reason for it. <laughs> uh, or I would just tell them flat out. I'm like, I have no heart for this and I can't, can't tell you why. Uh, and all the while, God was just warming my heart to church planting. And I, I'd always kind of been against church planting, honestly. Hmm. Um, long backstory on that. I, I, I was part of a church that was building its own kingdom and anybody else that was starting another kingdom was an enemy. <laughs> and, uh, so God broke my heart, tore me up, um, reminded me that church planting was important and then dropped me in it. And, uh, it's been an exciting ride. So yeah, here, here I am. Wow. That's cool. So tell me, um, what made you decide to go through the consulting training course, um, that, that I offer? I mean, what was it about it that you heard? Cause I'm assuming you heard from the podcast when, uh, Tyrone and I did that one episode. Yeah. Um, what was it about it that just made you go, so, you know what, um, I want to find out more about this. Yeah. Well, I had, I mean, in all seriousness, God had been leading, uh, when I first started church planting, didn't know what I was doing. I started listening to the podcast, heard a little bit about what you were doing, uh, in marketing. Cause that would, that would pop up every now and then. And I had started, I'd really accidentally fallen into doing websites and then I wanted to find a way to keep charging people. And so I started doing like Facebook ad marketing and Google AdWord management and things like that, uh, PR type stuff that I just kind of said, sure, I can figure out how to do that. And, um, and so I was doing just a little bit of that, but just not making that much money on it. And, uh, when I heard about this, actually somewhere in there, I think you gave me a free half hour or so of advice. And you said, well, you really ought to get into training and get into consulting. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds pretty good, but I don't really know how to do that. Uh, so when you uh, did the podcast where you were talking about the opportunity to do the training, uh, I really felt like God had been kind of pointing me in that direction for a little while already. Mm. And when I saw the opportunity, saw what could happen, um, that, that was when I was like, done, I'm going to do this. And I think I was listening and didn't, I didn't know how much it was going to cost all. And I, I already knew I'm like, this is something I'm supposed to do. And so it, once we talked through pricing and I'm like, well, done, I think God is already leading in that direction. So, um, let's do it. And, uh, yeah, so a little bit of leading, a little bit, it was just, I was listening to the podcast and hearing about it. And I knew in our context and in the future, pastors are going to have to be bivocational. I think even non, non planting pastors. If we're just watching the writing on the wall, we need to start planning to be bivocational. And this seemed like the best opportunity I've ever come across for bivocational. Mm. And it has been. So tell me, um, <clears throat> what have been, or, or what were some of your big takeaways when you went through that first initial six weeks of training where we go through, you know, all that material? And uh, obviously, I'm not going to get into it on this call, but there's there's a ton of material that we go through. So. Tell me about yeah. what you were thinking as you were going through there. I'm sure there was a little bit of overwhelm, but were you like getting great ideas and like, hey, I'm going to go run out and take this over to this business or, you know, tell me about your experience in that. Yeah. Um, well, a few key things came out of there. One of them is even though all the information is overwhelming, it's great stuff all the way through. So we would talk about a little bit of it and it was just like, you know, my, my brain started firing ideas and thinking, man, I, I know we could do this with a client or I could apply it to me getting my own business and, um, lots of great stuff there. So even though it was overwhelming, um, every piece of it was cool. And I, and I, so I knew I was getting great content. Uh, but a lot of it just had to do with my, my, the paradigm shift that I, I went from 
being a church planter thinker who was like, well, I'll do things for as cheap as I can so I can just get by to I'm going to charge as much as I possibly can because I need to make as, as much as possible in as little time as possible so that I can keep on serving the kingdom with the rest of my time. And uh, so that changed everything. In fact, soon after, uh, when I first started trying to do pitches to my connections and saying, hey, how about this? Uh, somebody asked me about doing a website. And I normally would have pitched a website for, I don't know, not very much money. And uh, I pretty much just quadrupled my price and gave him that. And he didn't bat an eye. Um, and so right there, that, that, was, that probably saved me a month. Or it wouldn't save me a month. It made me a month of expenses. Uh, actually, two months once they pay the other half of it. Um, and so that kind of stuff was just huge. It was me looking at things and saying, hey, I can play at this level. I can make money at this level. And it not only is it okay for me to ask for it, but asking for that much money probably helps me land more business than I would otherwise. And uh, so that paradigm shift in just my thinking, that was huge. That, that I'm, it's okay to ask for the right money. I think you just hit on something that's really important there because I think you're right. A lot of church planners have that mindset. Peyton and I have had this conversation many a time because him being a missionary in Wales for 12 years, he was always poor, always broke. And so you have this mindset of, well, what's important to me is having the lowest price, buying the lowest priced item, whatever. And, so then charging anything more than that, it, it, it goes against the grain because you're thinking, I wouldn't do this. Yeah. But interestingly enough, what you've hit on is you you actually end up, as long as you're providing the value, right? I'm not just saying charge people a lot of money yeah. and you know get it and run. You, you have to provide the value for it. But it is about taking the value that you provide seriously. And you know one of the things yeah. that, that I always like to say is people who pay, pay attention. And the more they pay, the exactly. more they pay attention. And every single yeah. time, I mean, literally without fail, every time I've like tried to help someone out, give them a deal, it's been the worst client experience because they don't take it seriously. They're not yeah. financially invested enough. So um, I think yeah. it's great that that you experience that. And I just want people to understand we're not just saying too about you know raising prices for the sake of raising prices, but the value is there. And, and what they're getting is yep. there, but it is that mental barrier that you got to well, jump through and, and get over and be like, I can actually charge this and get it and yep. it's worth it. Well, and for me, when I'm being paid that much for a job, I take it more seriously. Uh, and I'm, I prioritize that I'm, I'm putting myself into it and I'm less stressed about it. So when, you know, when the guy who got a cutthroat, cutthroat deal on a website calls me up and wants to make changes it's exasperating, right? Cause I'm like, I'm not making enough money on this. Yep. Um, and I've had a couple of those holdover deals that that happens, but the guy that paid the premium price, um, and first of all, he respects my work and doesn't want to do as many changes. Right. But when he does, I'm like, no problem, sir. Happy to help you out. I'm, I'm much more encouraged and excited to do the extra work and go the extra mile for that kind of client. Yeah. It's so funny because, uh, I had one client who, was only paying me about $2,500 a month, and that was it. Like, I didn't have a retainer worked out or a, a, a commission split. This is really before I knew what I was doing when I was first getting started. And um, they were working me to the bone. And I remember this one day, I had this conversation, and 
the, the, the client literally said to me, what are you doing for me? Like, what are you doing for me for this 2,500? And I was literally working about 40 hours a week on their, their stuff. And I'm like, Oh man, I'm like, are you kidding me? You basically got me as a full-time employee for $2,500 a month. I go, if you want to be done with this relationship, I'm fine with that. Let's end it. And it was like, they backed up real quick and they're like, "Uh Oh, you know what? I better watch what I say to this guy. Cause I'm going to lose him. Cause I was doing so much, but I was only yeah. making 2,500 and it was killing me. And, and I mean, I live in Southern yeah. California, $2,500 a month is not enough to do anything. I mean, that's, you know, that's not even my house payment. My house payments, I think 3,400 a month. So, I mean, you know, what am I going to yeah. do with that? I need more than that to live. And, um, and, and I actually, I still have that person as a client today, but today, uh, you know, like this last month, uh, they paid me, let me think pretty close to about 30 grand. Um, cause we renegotiated and I got a piece of the commission and it's like right. my, my mentality and working with them is completely different, right? Like they can ask me whatever they want. Yeah. I'm like, whatever. We, okay. You need me to do that? No problem. You know, you want to pay me 30 grand a month? I'll do that for you. <laughs> cause you know, I don't, you know, I want to keep them happy cause they're, they're actually paying me, you know, decent money. So, so I, I completely yeah. get that. Tell me, tell me a little bit about, uh, your experience uh, since you've been in the program, because I, I I know you basically have been been just killing it, and and right out of the gate you started killing it. Tell me what you did differently um, than what you were doing, or, or how did things change for you so that way you were able to take what you had learned and immediately start implementing it. Uh, one of the things is that confidence that came coming out of it. You, I think you had even said I've said it before. I came out of the training knowing how to make money. And not only the knowledge I got from it and the change of perspective, but knowing I've got, uh, I've got some support structure. I've got some of the other guys in the course. I can reach out to you. Uh, and the, so I know, I know that I'm not going to get in over my head, or if I do, I've got resources for it. Uh, even just the materials from the course I can refer to and say, man, what kind of ad should I run to this? Oh, I can pull stuff up. Um, so that confidence allowed me to reach out to business owners that I had either direct or indirect connection with and say, how about this? And I get to come to the table, describe what I do. And, uh, and so far this is now I've had people not sign on, but I've not had anybody tell me, no, I've had people say, man, we're not ready for that yet, but man, we'd love to have you. And I need to get better at my closing to pull those guys in. But I get to come into the, into the, in the conversation with confidence and, so that I think that's a huge thing is I just went to my current clients, applied that principle that it's always easier to sell to people already buying from you. And I essentially tried to upsell them. And um and then I went to the people that I'm connected with that didn't quite understand what I was doing yet. And I just said, let me just tell you what I'm doing because I think I could help you a lot. And then we pitched that way. Um and I just got the word out. Um I used the memory jogger tool and went through made a list of anybody I could think of, business owners, whatever that I was connected with. And then I started reaching out to them, uh, send a message and say, hey, love to get together, tell you what I'm doing right now. And um, that did really well. Uh, and just now, in fact, just this week, I did the thing where I, I got my CDs together and I'm sending out CDs to a huge run of potential clients. And actually tomorrow morning, I'm going to be doing my follow-up calls with them uh, some of the follow-up calls, and then I've got another buddy who, while I'm in El Salvador, is going to make some other follow-up calls for me. 
actually Tyrone says he would do some follow-up calls for me. Nice. Um, so it, uh, so yeah, so I'm, I'm doing all that kind of stuff, networking with other guys. Um, I have a friend of mine who, uh, is a sales consultant, uh, up here in the area. And I just touched base with him about what he does. And he says, I need you. He's like, if we could package this together, he's like, I've got, I've got businesses right now that would love to have you as an add on. If I bring you in, it's a win for me. And so he's begging to sell my services. And, uh, so that kind of stuff is exciting to me. So a lot of stuff still in the works. I mean, the, I, I've closed on a lot of business, uh, but the truth is I still haven't asked for enough money. Uh, I have settled for some lesser paying clients. I should have gone right for the jugular on a few higher paying clients. Um, I've got one really, really ace level client when I've got a really solid commission out of him. And then I have some smaller clients that I have pretty high commission rate on, but it's not consistent. And so that's my big struggle right now is I'm making good money, but not on the same uh, steadiness. And it's because I haven't locked in those monthly rates with certain key people. And I'm jumping back into that. I'm like, man, I, I gave away too much. Even in, even in making and doing as well as I did, I've still given away too much and I still need to ask for more. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that's, that makes sense of what I'm doing. That's, that seems to be working. Yeah. And interestingly enough, just a, a little food for thought for you for the future. Um, the more, the more confident you get, cause that's really where most of uh, this stems from is we all have you know, a, a confidence issue. At some point, we reach a point where we're like, you know what, I, I don't feel, you know, totally comfortable asking for X amount of dollars, whatever it is. And we all have that. I was having this conversation with uh, someone who I've, you know, you know all about Martin Howie and, and I just made the comment to him and I go, you know, I realize I have that issue because I, I haven't just been telling people, Hey, it's 25 grand for a, you know, a, a meeting with me basically. And that was, it's a long story what the 25 grand would cover. But I, and I told him, I go, look, I realize I don't have the confidence and I just have to get out there and do it. But the more you do, the more confident you get. And interestingly enough, um, I went out on a, an appointment last year and it was for a, a real estate company that really wanted to recruit a lot of agents. And I really didn't want the deal. You know, I was already busy. I was already making good money. And so I quoted them this outrageous number. I was like, all right, look, it's going to be 25 grand up front. And, um, I think it started at like 7,500 a month and then it went down to like 5,500 a month and it was a two year agreement. And because of the way the structure of their company, it like didn't make any sense to get uh, a piece of the business because it's, they don't make any money basically on the, on the, um, the agent side, you make all the money on the escrow side and stuff like that in, in real estate. So bottom line is I gave them that outrageous number and I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember them saying, well, you know, it's like 80 grand the first year. And, and of course this is, this is not an employee, right? This is like you get an hour of my week, uh, a time a week from me and I'll talk to you and tell you what to do. And, <laughs> and so they were like, you know, we're not going to do it. anyway. Literally they came back to me last week and was like, okay, we're ready to do that. <laughs> and, and I'm sitting there looking at that going, I don't even know if I still want to do it. Like I threw out that number because I didn't want to do it. And now you're coming back to me saying you actually want it. I don't even know that I want to do it for the 80 grand. You know, it was like, eh. I know an up and coming uh, <laughs> consultant that would love to have that business. So if it, I mean, I'll, I'll, I will jump on that grenade for you. Gladly. I love it. 
I mean, if you, I mean, it, I, I mean, if you want to, I'll pray about it a little bit, but I, I think I'm willing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Tell me about the, uh, the client. Well, you the, know, oh, sorry. Go ahead. What, what were you going to okay. say? I was going to say, I, I told one of my clients about, cause he's got too much business since I started working with him. Um, and he can't, he can't make enough product. And so I floated in the idea and I, you and I might've talked about it, but I, I said, man, what? Why don't you just sell the business? Like sell, you know, and if you got too much people, too many people coming to you, why don't you just get a percentage, get a cut, and get somebody else to do the work? And he's like, "That's genius." I'm like, "Well, you know, right. you did hire me, and I did learn from Pete Mitchell." Right. There we go. But you actually hit on something there. What I think a lot of businesses don't recognize is all the hidden assets they have in their business, and yeah. that's an asset. Like if you've got more business coming in than you can handle then there's a lot of things you can do because there are for every for every problem you have in a business there's another company that has the exact opposite problem so you have too much business yep. you know you're going to find another company out there that doesn't have enough business it's like hey you know why don't we give this to you you have employees that don't have enough work well you have too much work it's like hey let me let me lease your employees let's you know there's so many different what we call joint ventures that you can do with companies that, um, and that's really where there's so much power and so much leverage. And for me, that's, that's what the name of the game is really all about. It's about leverage. It's not having to actually do all of the work yourself. Like what I see a lot of church planners do is it's like they, they have the job mentality because that's the way we were all raised, right? You go to school, you get good grades, you go out there and you get yourself a good job. Uh, hopefully you can get some good benefits, things like that. And then it's like they enter this church planning world. And it's like, well, I'm trying to start a church. How do I do this with my time? They're trying to work a day job. They're trying to start a church at night. And they start neglecting their family because they're not around. They're they're doing all this stuff where people are always over the house. And it's like something's got to give here. And to me, the thing that makes the most sense to give is the job. And if you can find a way to replace yeah. that income and not necessarily the time, but the income leaving you the time yeah. during the day to work on your church plant and your evenings to spend with your family or however that looks, you know, in, in everyone's uh, household, um, that's the name of the game. And, and for me, you know, I've said this on the podcast many times, I basically stop working at five. I mean, I, I don't I mean, for the most part, that's my cutoff time. And the rest of the time until my kids go to sleep, that's my time with the family. And I don't work, you know, after they go to sleep, but, you know, they go to sleep, I go to sleep. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but, you know, but, but, but I've reached that point in my life where it's like, look, I'm not going to knock myself out for business. And, and, and I think church planners have to be careful that they don't try and knock themselves out trying to do the church plant, trying to earn a living trying to spend time with their family. I mean, there's no wonder there's so much burnout in the church planner yeah. world. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about real quick is you've got a client who you helped make like 90 grand off of a referral letter or something like that. Can you tell everyone yeah. a little bit about yeah. that situation? Cause that's, I mean, that's really demonstrating the power of what you did for someone and why it's so valuable to those, to those companies that we yeah. help. Yeah, that was actually my first big win as, uh, as far as something that I did for my client. Uh, so this guy actually is a fellow house church leader. He wouldn't call himself a planter, but 
awesome guy. He runs this uh, runs this business uh, doing urban development where he buys and puts houses in Cleveland. And uh, so his money is made on the rental of it long term. But you can imagine that he's got he's waiting on a six or eight year payout before he gets the money back from that. So he lives pretty lean. He was pretty careful. He doesn't he doesn't take a big payout. He just keeps investing because he's looking at this. Um, I mean, we're looking at for his properties now at something like a twelve million dollar payout over lifetime, right? Uh, so he's like, man, the more of these I can do, the more money I can make. But about every third, he likes to generate more cash flow. So for every third house he flips. If he turns that over to an investor, gives him upfront cash, allows him to invest in more things, put some cash in his pocket, it's a great situation. So he brought me on and said, listen, I can't, I don't want to pay you a retainer, but I'll give you a great commission if you can help me turn around uh, these kind of things. So I broke my rule and didn't have my retainer, but he was hungry. This guy's like, I need to make money right now. So I'm like, all right, you're hungry and um, you're giving me a good, uh, you know, a good commission on it. So let's do it. And uh, so we, and all I did, in fact, I told him at our first meeting, I said, dude, I'm, I'm worried that you're going to implement this stuff and it's going to, it's going to go so well that you're going to be like, what the heck, this is nuts. And sure enough, that's what happened. All, all we did is a referral letter. Um, he had, he didn't have a huge list, right? He just went to the people who had invested with him. And it was like 25 or 50 people. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a big list. Uh, so he got a book of stamps. I helped him edit the letter together. He sent it out. And uh, we did some of the key things of uh, we limited in time, limited in number. So they, they had to come in by a certain a certain time and a certain number. And then we have a, had an incentive. We were like, we're going to waive your management fees for the first year for you and whoever gets referred uh, if you sign up by this time. And uh, so right away, he starts moving units. Uh, he had something like two right away, which was the 90 grand. And actually, he has two more that were in queue plus another two that are about to sign on. So the, even after the deal was over, there were more people saying, hey, we're still interested in investing. So even after that incentive, was, we'd, we'd gotten done running it, it was still, uh, and there's still people knocking down the door to invest with them. And uh, so that's exciting. Um, and we call it investment. They're really buying a house that he manages. Um, but in fact, I think we talked about running that ad again and uh, the day I messaged him and said, hey, I really think we ought to run this ad again. I think we get a couple more out of it. He goes, wow, he says, you, you just emailed me this. And somebody just contacted me about this. And I said, well, man, a, a, an ad that works telepathically, I think is just the best. <laughs> like, I just don't think you can beat that. Um, so, but yeah, it's, it's, it's probably turned around. Once it's all said and done, I'm waiting on the, on the final, final signatures on everything. But that'll have turned around, um, man, it'll be over a over 200 grand that it'll have turned around from that ad. Um, and with, and it was just a letter. That was all it was. That's awesome. I mean, and, and that's one of the things yeah. that, uh, a lot of businesses don't recognize. And that is the time you stop going back to the well is when it comes up dry. And so people always say, you know, yeah. I ran this, this ad or this letter or this newspaper ad, whatever. And this, these were the results. What, what should I do now? And I go, uh, let's run it again. They go, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. well, let's do it. And we yep. do it again and we get more results. And they're like, oh my gosh, you know, it worked again. I'm like, it's kind of amazing, isn't it? Let's, <laughs> let's do it again. You know, yeah. and you keep doing it until <laughs> it finally isn't profitable. And in fact, the way that I call it is I go, it, you have a stable of ads. 
and you, you you're you're constantly using the frontline ads. And as soon as they stop working, you take them and you put them at the back of the list and then you use the next ones. And then eventually you're going to cycle back through them. And it's like you don't need to create new stuff all the time. Once you have something that works, you just keep using it. And there's going to come a point where it doesn't pull. And so you stop and then you go back. Um, I got this one client. Uh, you've probably heard of them. They uh, they like to simplify your church. <laughs> So if you <laughs> listen to the podcast, obviously that's that's who I'm talking about, uh, Simplified Church. And we started running a Facebook ad, and it worked for us for almost two years. And we never had to change it at all. And like soon as it stopped working, yeah. we started running a new one. And it's been out of circulation that just this week we started running it again, and we're right back to where we were. Getting you know leads dirt cheap and things are working well and I mean that's just kind of what you do and and for us as consultants that means it's not hard for us right because exactly right we don't have to come up with new stuff all the time it's just you know we use the same stuff and then we just recycle it and work our way back through it yeah yeah it's perfect man well hey. I appreciate your time, man. Is there anything that you would share to a church planner who's thinking about going through the training? What would be your advice to them? Like what in, in looking at it, you know, how do you, how do you know if it's the right thing for you to do or to not to do? Like what, what kind of advice would you give to the church planner trying to decide if this is the right thing for them? So I would say if you can sit down and have an intelligent conversation with a person who is a businessman, then this is for you. Um, I, I know that there are some guys that they're, um, men, they just, they can't get themselves together enough to sit down and have a professional meeting. Uh, to me, that's about the only criteria of this. If you can be professional enough to sit in front of somebody, look them in the eye, have a real conversation, you can do this. And, uh, and I know for, for me, one of the things that was a barrier at first where I was, I was thinking might be a barrier would be the money. Cause I looked at it and I'm like, man, for me, that's a huge amount of money, like mm. huge. But, um, I was like, you know what? This is, this, this is a game changer. And I, I think this will work. And it did. So that I, I've lost count of how many times. So, I mean, what, I don't remember when our class ended. Was it August, September that we somewhere you know i i don't remember either i'd have to actually go back and look like i think we might have gone through the six weeks i mean it it was maybe august somewhere in there because i think i started paying for it in june or july so it's been less than six months i that that class has paid for itself more than six times over um in a matter of of maybe two months it paid for itself six times over and we're way past that now um so i'm i've lost count so think about it in, in six months, less than six months, it's paid for itself multiple times over. Um, don't let the money be an issue for not doing it. Uh, jump in. It's, it's worth it. Uh, assuming you're going to apply it. And I was hungry enough to apply it. In fact, we talk about the whole is people who pay, pay attention. Yep. And I was going to make sure this worked. And, uh, and man, God, God moved. <laughs> I would say that there is a, there is certainly the Lord's work in this has made a difference, but, uh, it, it's been huge. Um, glad I've done it. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, Hey Dan, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for sharing these thoughts. Uh, it's been very helpful for me to hear that coming from you. And I know, uh, people are thinking about it right now. The church planners are thinking, Hey, I might do this. I think this might help them. I mean, if you're listening to this and you want to find out if it's right for you, you know, set up a time to have a call with me 
And, uh, and let's just talk. I mean, I'm not going to sell you on the phone. That's not the way that I work. Cause I want it to be for the right people because I don't want to take your focus off of planning a church. And frankly, some people I don't think it's going to be right for. And, uh, and so I'd like to have yep. that conversation with you and, and let's just talk about it. Um, if you need me to talk with you and your spouse, I'm cool with that. I mean, I did that with uh, Dominic and his wife. And I literally, I, I was nice. like, dude, I think your wife should be the one doing this because <laughs> she is like yep. <laughs> tearing it up. Like I, I had dinner with them in uh, Texas a couple of weeks back when I was out there. And again, I was like, man, your wife is the one who needs to be doing this because she's like, she's the the consultant. It was funny. It was, it was really funny. But, you know, I'll talk to, you know, both of you and your spouse and let's find out if this is the right thing. If it is cool, if it's not, no harm, no foul. We're not going to lose anything by just having right. that conversation. So anyway, Dan, thanks so much. I appreciate right your time, man. Cool. Thank you, Pete. You take care, man. You've been listening to the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and typically Peyton Jones. Uh, we will be back next week with one of our regular episodes of the Church Planner Podcast. If you would like to know more about the BIVO uh, training program that I have, then head on over to BIVOWebinar.com. It's in the show notes. And uh, I've put together a great little webinar that you can sit back and watch. Uh, there's nothing to buy on the webinar. It's an informational webinar. And uh, if at the end of it you're like, hey, this is something I want to know more about, you'll be able to set a one-on-one -on -one call with me, and I'll be happy to walk you through uh, some of the intricacies of the program. But anyway, head on over to BivoWebinar.com. I look forward to talking with you. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Church